Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Uh, this is Kirk Reed in studio. I am joined today by my wife and business partner, Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, and we are also joined by special guest, uh, John Harrington of Embrace Home Loans. Uh, he is a mortgage professional. Uh, the topic of the show today is uh, mortgages and refinances and uh, all relating to the uh, super low interest rates uh, available today. Uh, but before we get back to us chatting, we actually have a caller. Uh, can we go to Harry from Plymouth? Harry, are you there? Yeah, good morning. Good morning. What can we do for you? Hey, quick question for you. What about a scenario like this? Someone who's affected by COVID who lost their job, but they do have borders who pretty much pay the mortgage. Can you refinance like that? John, you want to handle that? I think I heard the question correctly. Your income is through rental? Correct. Is that correct? Uh, you can take a look at that, sure. If your rental income is covering what you're looking for to fit the guidelines for the program, yeah, rental income is certainly a viable source of income. Okay, great. That was. Is, this a, is it is it a rental property, Harry, or is it your property and you're all and you're renting it out? And does that matter, John? Uh, of course, yeah. We uh, for, for rental income, we actually calculate that out from tax returns, and what's actually. Um, actually how that's calculated out through the tax return. So it's more or less, it's not just based on what comes in for rent, it's based on what rental income is. 
So minus the expenses and yeah. different things like that, then we take the bottom line and that's what rental income would be for us. Okay. So in other words, the, the rental income would have to be sufficient in and of itself because it sounds like Harry temporarily being affected by COVID doesn't have any other source of income. Correct, Harry? Uh, correct. So I live in the home and I have three other boarders, rentals. What's your what's your current interest rate, Harry? Uh, 4%. 4%? Okay. Did you hear that, John? Yeah, I did. Yep. I mean, uh, so yeah, is 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 it's as long as your uh, tax return rental income calculation is good for the guidelines, um, we could take a look at that um, as long as you're reporting that income. I know you keep saying borders, but I'm assuming it's renters with leases and, um, you know, kind of uh, documented rental income. Um, well, exactly. And if you're at a 4% interest rate, I'm not sure what the uh, motivation would be to refinance. Is it just to get a lower rate or what would that be? Um, to refinance, get a, my mortgage uh, company is just one of the worst. They're very local, but servicing, is that to do a forbearance? And just going through the forbearance, it was very easy, but um, making my payments every month, which I had been, which was just the escrow and the insurance on the home, but the company itself, they just don't know what they're doing. Every month they would send me the same regular mortgage payment when in fact I wasn't supposed to be paying that. And um, it's just been every month a phone call over and over and over and they would say, don't worry about it, they'll fix it when they get the um, partial mortgage payment, which covers the escrow. And it just it just has become very uh, anxiety provoking. Okay. Well, you can always uh, give me a call separately. Um, you know, like I was saying throughout the show, every situation is different. Um, but we can certainly have this discussion, uh, you know, further and take a look at some documentation and kind of find out what your situation is. I'd be happy to take a look at that for you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Right, thank you. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call, Harry. Hey, so, well, um, I was John, say, that brings, yeah. so that I guess that brings up a generic. So he mentioned forbearance that his loan is in forbearance right now. I'm assuming in order to refinance, payments need to be brought. Uh, yeah. to current, right? Or uh, yeah. needs to be I wasn't sure if he said before. he was in forbearance or was trying to get in forbearance. So I uh, couldn't tell. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if you're in forbearance right now, yeah, you have to be up to date. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. I think his question was more surrounding can he qual from an income standpoint, can he mm -hmm. qualify for a refinance? Because is he, in other words, can you show enough income from rental property from rents? Assume, of course, that depends on how much the rent is. But yeah, it, it, obviously, it has to be reflected on your tax return. It has to be um, rents that are you know you're declaring as taxable income and not. Yeah, your, your yeah, friend just, you know, paying you a few hundred bucks a month under the table for some housing. It has to be legit. Yeah, we can't do that. And yeah, certainly it would have to do how they're reporting the income. Uh, so, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. they'd run the situation quite a bit. But, you know, rent, rent, your, your, <laughs> the rent payment is different than the rental income. So your rent payments, you could be making, you know, $3,000 a month for a rent payment. Sure. But sure. your income from that, you know, you deduct the mortgage, you deduct expenses, right. taxes, insurance. 
So you really your rental income is a little different than the thirty five to three thousand dollars you're making as a payment. <laughs> Great. Sorry, more hit the, the So I mean that's uh, that's yeah. something I'd have to take a look at from. But if he isn't if he isn't Hey. Good. What? Oh, sorry. We we have some distractions here I'm, uh, from that's, my home studio. <laughs> uh, it's, it's my daughter's excited that she t- she tied her own soccer cleat. Awesome job. That is great. I'm on the air. Well, um, John. Okay. Uh, John, anyway. can you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, and we can talk about that forbearance thing some other point. But yeah, they would have, yeah. have to be up to date, be able because we we'd be buying a uh, when you refinance, we're we're buying the existing mortgage. This is really what it comes down to, and we really can't buy one if it's in forbearance somewhere else. Yeah, no, because yeah. it have to be has to become up to date, and certain things have to happen. But, um, okay. but okay, I think we're going to shift gears to another topic, right? Yeah, let's shift gears. I was can can we talk about new purchases for a moment? Um, and maybe I don't know. We want to talk about first time home buyers, or I, I just I wanted to um, hear from you. You know, different. <laughs> You know, I'm, I always have this question of, you know, first-time homebuyers, for example, how much should they do they need to be putting down to obtain a loan? Is it zero percent? Is it three? Is it five? I understand, um, obviously, putting more than twenty percent down allows a homebuyer to avoid PMI. That's a great target, but not everyone has twenty percent down, especially first-time homebuyers. So, just those discussions regarding um, options for people. I guess talking for a moment about first-time home buyers and what uh, they should be putting down, need okay. to be putting down. I guess sure. there should need to and should different discussion, but uh, uh, right. minimums. Let's talk about right. That's correct. So, well, in our area, um, a minimum uh, for one program is no money down. Uh, it's the USDA loan, uh, but they only lend in certain towns. And uh, their income criteria is, you know, there's a limit on how much you can actually make. And there's differences on the debt to income ratios that they have. So that's, it sounds like a great uh, program and it is, but you gotta kind of fit in a little window of what they have for requirements, for guidelines. Meaning that's, um, so, that's geared towards someone that's lower income, meaning there are income limits. Yeah, it, well, I wouldn't say lower income, but they do have no. guidelines on how much you can make for the household. Um, so if you have two people working and you know they each doing about sixty thousand dollars a year, that that particular program is not for them. Um, and the other the other thing is they only lend in certain towns in the area. Okay. They won't lend in every town, so you really have to be willing to live in those towns that they have. It's a rural program. It's meant to actually increase the population in certain rural oh, areas. Interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So they're the only. Well, not they're the only no money down, but that's for. For the general public, uh, and then we have VA loans, which are no money down okay. as well. They have an option for that. You have to be uh, either in the military currently, or uh, a veteran of the military, or okay. a surviving spouse of the military. Are the um, are the rates all competitive? Like in these different these different various plans? Uh, they are. Yeah, they are. They're generally uh, somewhere in uh, the same area. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Um, bigger difference with uh, the VA loan, which I've done. Uh, uh, throughout my career, I've helped quite a few veterans just to actually helped another one that's in the Coast Guard, uh, a local uh, gentleman. Um, but they have uh, their difference on their program is they really don't have any monthly mortgage insurance, even when you're not putting anything down, which is a great benefit for the veterans out there. Right. Uh, and generally, their interest rates are, are competitive, if not a little bit lower, depending on the situation. Um, and they're flexible uh, with credit score. And they're flexible with their debt to income ratio. 
So if there are veterans out there, uh, it's a really good opportunity to take a look and see if they fit in that particular program because it does have a lot of different things that are very flexible in our guidelines. But they're the veterans' guidelines, but they're more flexible than some of the other programs we have. Um, so to your point, you kind of hit all the uh, the down payment marks. So no money down. Um, then conventional do go as little as three percent down but again you have to kind of fit into their 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 box of income uh cap and credit things like that um the one that we have in general for most uh folks would be fha loans and they're three and a half percent down okay uh i see a lot of folks get in there uh they have some um flexibility with credit uh the down payment is three and a half percent down uh, so that's a good one to go to. And then 5% is the other mark. And then up from there. Um, yeah. I'm glad, I know you want to talk a little about, about mortgage insurance. So 20% yeah. down is the guideline for that. If you're putting less than 20% down, somewhere along the line in that program, you're going to have some sort of mortgage insurance payment. There's different ways of approaching it. Um, but there's going to be some sort of payment in there for that. So mortgage insurance could be the monthly. You can pay it up front. Or it could be a combination of both. You could pay some up front and have it oh. monthly. But there, there'll be some sort of a payment in there. Well, who pays it up front? Well, if you were going to pay it up front, why wouldn't you just put more money down, right? That's probably why I've never heard of that. And, that, well, and how much is it if you pay it up front? It's, it's, well, it's, it's less costly if you pay it up front. Okay. And so if you pay it monthly. Like anything else. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you can actually, with some programs, you can actually uh, absorb it into the loan, that upfront payment. Um, so really, uh, it's hard to say because they're all different. But so let's say upfront, um, the, uh, the upfront payment for the mortgage insurance is 4000 You can take that 4000 and and actually make it part of the loan itself. And that gets spread out over the 30 years, so the payment is actually less than it would be if it was a monthly mortgage insurance. But you, you have that 4000 in there for the 30 years. But it spreads it out over a long period of time. Not all, not all programs allow us to, to, to absorb it into the loan, but some do. I feel like okay. I feel like in the past, I, so I, this was in the past, I don't know if this is still an option or not, but I think, and I feel like we did this uh, like years and years and years ago where we, you know, we didn't have enough to put down to, to to carry that, you know, to, to get rid of PMI, but our, the mortgage person we were working with at the time, I think he, he put us into a, like two mortgages, you know, a primary and then a secondary. And by doing that, oh, we, were, yeah. we were able to avoid PMI, yeah. even though we didn't have the 20% to put down. Is that still an option or? Need, oh, yeah. yeah, that's still an option. Yeah. The second, you can use the second mortgage for that, make up the difference on the down payment. Okay. And the second mortgage had a higher rate because mm-hmm. it's covering that. It's like that, it's that riskier mortgage, right? It's the yeah and those were more popular um years ago one uh well uh, mortgage insurance at one point was a little more difficult to um obtain shall we say and a little more costly if you could obtain it so there was a time where those were more popular doing the second mortgage however where the rates are currently and where the mortgage insurance rates are currently i'm seeing less and less of that as being an option but it is an option Mm. Uh, but it doesn't. It, at this point in time, it's not really the one that's more popular. Okay. If someone wanted to pay PMI up front, how much is that in terms of a? Per, is it like a percent of the loan or a percent of, of the value of the house? I guess. It's yeah. It's all relevant. Yeah. So it's percent yeah. of the loan and how much the loan to value is. So if it's uh, if you're doing five percent down, it's going to be higher than if you put ten, fifteen, and right. also have to do with credit. 
So your credit has to do with that payment as well. Huh. So if you're you're in your mid sixes with uh, with credit, um, that payment's going to be a little bit higher than somebody that's got a seven eighty credit score. So, so like there's all sorts putting, of different. They're yeah, like rates. Okay, you can't, yeah. All all the all the information that goes into rates actually goes into the mortgage insurance as well. But if you're putting like five percent down, and if you wanted to pay PMI up front, my point is it's not like 15% oh, because yeah. then that would just be your 20% down. Yeah. And if you have that cash, why wouldn't you just put the 20% down? That's correct. Uh, right. But it makes sense. Uh, you know, I talk to folks, everybody has a different situation, but if they're putting down like uh, maybe 16% or 17% to make up that extra 3%, oh. they might want to do that up front roll into loan itself, you know, and it's minimal on their payment you know, over the 30 years. I've right. done that for a few times. Well, okay. uh, uh, that way it might make a little bit yeah. more sense. But you're right, if you're putting 5% down, you really don't want to do the upfront option. It just wouldn't make okay. any sense. Because yeah, then you, you know, you're talking maybe it might be eight or $9,000 to pay it upfront. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't you just yeah. put more down on the mortgage. Um, can you talk a little bit about people and, and uh, refinancing out of PMI or like what happens when they hit that? 20, if they have, they're carrying PMI and then they hit that 20% equity mark at some point in the future, they have to refinance to get rid of PMI, right? It doesn't just vaporize, uh, right? Well, no, uh, it's, it depends. So um, <laughs> depends on the program. So on Do you need to go get more coffee before you went to that one? <laughs> yeah, I know. Ruthie. Uh, maybe uh, something else that's down here. Uh, no, uh, so there's one program that uh, with mortgage insurance, FHA, actually the mortgage insurance stays with the program as long as you're in it. So if you're in the FHA program right now, their criteria for the mortgage insurance is it stays with the with the loan. So if you have your, if you have your FHA loan for 30 years, you're gonna have mortgage insurance for 30 years. However, okay. the conventional loans, um, they do have an option where if you hit a certain amount of equity in the property after a certain amount of time, then you can actually request to get to have okay. the uh, mortgage insurance removed and or if you still make your monthly payments and nothing really happens to your equity down the road it will eventually uh, uh, be removed from the payment it usually okay. takes about 13 to 14 years for it to just go from making your principal uh, and interest payment so it does eventually go away uh, in conventional loans okay all right so um <laughs> It really mortgage insurance. I know it's a it's a kind of a taboo subject, but it's, it was created so you can put less than twenty percent down. And I know right at the beginning you were saying, well, not everybody has that twenty percent, but that's yeah kind of why they created the mortgage insurance part of it. So if you have less than less than twenty percent, you can still go out and be able to you know apply for a mortgage and see if you can purchase a property. Yeah, um, and has PMI always been a thing? Has it like been around for a really long time? No, uh, came around in the seventies, I believe. Oh, okay. So for a pretty long time. Yeah. Okay. Well, it has been. Well, yeah. Not for me. So it. I'm so if. <laughs> so if someone is paying PMI right now because they put less than twenty yeah. percent down and the value of their property like has increased, and, um, right. as many people's has in the la in recent months, years. Um, yep. What what happened? They just contact their mortgage company. They pay for an appraisal. I'm assuming, which is what four or five hundred bucks. Well, um, yes and no. Um, you have to wait a certain amount of time, well, even okay. unconventional. So after four okay. years, after four years, you can reach out to your existing investor 
and see if you have, you know, requests that you were looking to have your mortgage insurance removed. And then they have a process for that. But you have to be up to date with your payments. Um, they'll have yeah. to have an appraisal done. You have to have 22% equity in the property oh, if you do it that okay. way. Um, if you refinance and you just refinance into another mortgage, then you have to have 20% equity in the property. And then, you, then the mortgage insurance goes away. I mean, I'm refinancing folks that I've helped throughout the years now that throughout the last five years have kind of gotten the equity almost to kind of get rid of that or even seven years ago. So it becomes part of the refinance. So they're actually saving more money if we get rid of the mortgage insurance accelerator. Got it. So, so you're saying if, if they stay with the if they stay with the same mortgage, they have to have been in it at least four years to to appeal yeah. the PMI. But if but, if but but they can basically okay. go to a new mortgage at any point and get rid of PMI, if, assuming they you know have the twenty percent. Yeah, if they equity. refinance, they have the twenty percent. It's automatically done as part of the refinance. No, no time, no time really frame. Talk to yeah. about mortgage insurance. Okay. Which is why some people are refinancing now. They've gained a lot yeah. of equity yeah. in the last couple of years. Right. Uh, just surprised. I mean, I mean, I, I helped a lot of people out in the last couple of years. I'm just they're coming back, and I'm just you know. Not amazed or surprised, but I guess a little bit surprised of the values of the properties in the last couple of years of how, you know, how much they've really gained, which is a good yeah. thing. Don't get me wrong, but still kind of surprising, you know, when you have people buying houses at three fifty and now they're worth four twenty five. You know, over a year yeah. and a half. Yeah. It's, that's quite a bit of equity to gain in that short time frame. And I know you were talking about uh, you want to talk about the appraisals, right? At this point, too. Yeah, because I've been hearing that appraisals aren't needed right now for refinance uh well that can be true uh okay. not always uh so on that that particular topic um we have programs that we run it through and if the program comes back and says appraisals appraisal is not required then it's not required but it doesn't always come back and say that it can come back and say you have to have a full appraisal done. So it's really up to the program to decide whether they're going to accept the value as it is or not. Uh, so that's not in general. That's more an individual loan to loan okay. basis. And is that, I'm assuming that depends on um, uh, relative, I'm always going to say it depends yes. on equi equity in the property, but you don't know that really without an appraisal, but it depends on area of the world or where. <laughs> real estate or town or well, I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm just curious more than well, anything. No, it does. Um, but it's a little everything. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, they evaluate basically uh, the borrow itself, credit, okay. you know, yeah. maybe different yeah. assets yeah. they have, et cetera. Uh, but again, also where the property is and, and they've been, yeah. uh, and I mean by them, it's just really the, the, the investors themselves have been gathering up appraisal information for years anyway. So they have oh, a good okay. estimation of kind of maybe what the value might be on a property. So if you have a certain person that they like their criteria and then they're matching it up with the value of the property that you rented in, and they're saying, okay, you know what? 500,000 is acceptable value for this property. Yeah. And if you put it up 525, it might say no. So they have a calculation on their own based upon different criteria that they'll come back and say whether they can waive that appraisal or not. But it's, yeah. not, an, that, oh, excuse me, it's not an automatic. Okay. And that, well, that's nice for the, for the person refinancing anyway. It saves them a few dollars. It obviously speeds up the process, right? And allows loans to, you know, close quickly, more quickly and stuff like that. It's nice. To, yeah. It's yeah. nice to know that because yeah. you don't have that question mark because right now you, you certainly do on purchases and refinances if, yeah. you know, if that value is going to be there. I mean, uh, I don't know if you, you've, you've kind of, kind of keep up with the market, but 
I, I have a lot of a lot of my purchase uh, clients, you know, they're overbidding on properties because they have to. It's the only way to oh get them accepted. Yeah. All right. You hold know? that thought because I do want to touch yeah. on that in the hot real estate market and the overbidding and appraising and stuff like that. I want to touch on that um, afterwards. But uh, so we're going to take a break here in a minute. Um, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. We've been talking about interest rates and refis and stuff along those lines today with mortgage professional, John Harrington. John, do you want to quickly give out your contact info before we take a break? Uh, certainly, I'd love to. Um, so it's John Harrington, Embrace Home Loans. Uh, my phone number is 508-685-4864. You can call that number anytime and make myself as available as much as possible. And my email address, so you can text that number too, but my email address, if you want to send an email to, it's John H at EmbraceHomeLoans.com. So it's John, J-O-H-N-H at EmbraceHomeLoans with an S.com. I appreciate Perfect. it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're taking a quick break and we'll be right back with you for the last 30 minutes of the show. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money with my children in the background, potentially, because I'm broadcasting from home today. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, uh, and John Harrington with Embrace Home Loans, our resident mortgage expert for the morning, MMLS number 756150. Um, John, thank you so much again for being here. First time on the show. Um, doing awesome. And thank you. Thanks for being here. Um, and I wanted to, so right before the break, we were touching on the crazy real estate market. And all I hear is, you know, how competitive it is. And, um, and we, I, uh, fam, my family, uh, my cousin was just selling their home in Stoughton and they have a, um, I don't know. They have a family home in Stoughton, and they and they had first weekend of their open house. Fifty groups come through, and I haven't touched base with her after that. But it's just crazy. The inventory is low, interest rates are low, obviously. So great time to be buying. Lots of buyers out there. Low inventory, and like from what I understand, just people bidding way over asking. And but but there are loan ramifications to that in terms of properties potentially not appraising uh, for what people are offering. So just wanted to touch on that for a little bit. Um, so what are you seeing on your end? Oh, or are there properties yeah. that aren't appraising right now? Well, I'll take a deep breath and knock on wood that I really haven't had any issues with that. Uh, okay. but oh, I'm, sure that I'm sure the time's coming because it is getting very um, competitive out there. And to your point, yeah, I've been hearing the same thing, 50 couples going through an open house, and that's multiple houses in a weekend. So there's, there's buyers out there, and, and the inventory is a little, a little less than it should be. Um, so there is a little bit of over, I shouldn't say overbidding, but competitive bidding going on. Uh, but the ramification on that, if they are going through a mortgage process, the house has to appraise out for the purchase price on our end for us to be able to, to lend on that particular amount. So when we're in these situations, um, say a house is listed for four and the accepted bid is 425. Yeah. yeah. We need to have that house come in at 425 to be able to kind of do the financing uh, kind of uh, quote unquote a normal process. If it does comes in less than the 425 and it, say it comes in at 400, but that was the listing price of 400. They bid 425, got accepted. I'm just using yeah. an example here. Yeah. 
but the actual appraised value comes in at four hundred thousand. Now we have a twenty-five thousand dollar gap. Uh, there's there's three different options that the uh, purchaser can make at that point. Is one renegotiate the, the purchase price to be the four hundred thousand, so there's no gap anymore. So we can just uh, lend on the four hundred thousand. The uh, the client also has the option of making up the difference of the twenty five thousand mm-hmm. okay. on their own. So we would yeah. base our lending on the four hundred thousand. They're doing twenty five thousand on their own on top of their down payment. Yeah, um, and or they can walk away at that point too. You know, so there's protections there if it doesn't come in. Yeah. Unless there's verbiage there that it says that they can't. So it's how how the contract's written up. And when it comes, I mean, the first option you mentioned is renegotiating, but like we were just talking about, if there's 50 groups coming through, they accept the best offer. If that person tries to renegotiate, what are the chances really? There's 49 other people potentially that want that property. And so owners you know, owner could potentially say, nope, I'm not going to renegotiate with you. I'm just going to go to the next person and the next person, right? I mean, I feel like the renegotiation is not it's, necessarily it's, realistic right now. Uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it depends on really where the, where the buyer and the seller are and the realtors are on what they're doing yeah. on that negotiation. But that's really how we can handle it as far as the negotiation goes on the other end. It's hard to say. I, I'm seeing... Well, one, I've locked out and I haven't had that situation at this point in time. So yeah, I'm yeah. kind of kind of crossing my fingers on that. But um, it's, it's I'm seeing like some con, I'm seeing some contracts up, up, up front kind of uh, handling that. So now I'm seeing some verbiage where the appraisal value is really not a negotiation. Uh-huh. Where they're saying the if if it does come in low, you have to make up the difference. Yeah, that is. some of that, you know, which and, not really yeah, my yeah. negotiation. Uh, and the borrower has to have the means to do that. Uh, so if there's a twenty five thousand dollar difference, that that particular borrower has to come up with that twenty five thousand dollar difference. That's a big difference. Right. I'm just using that as an example, but it's 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 <laughs> it could be a potential issue. No, there's no doubt. Sure. I mean, in that, in that example, I mean, potential, if they have, if they have the cash, you know, potentially that just means less of a down payment and, and more, more cash going towards the, the gap there. Uh, if, if they're in that position, I mean, so it might not be ideal, but there's still, still, you know, if, if three, if you can get away with three and a half percent, you said in like kind of the traditional loans, uh, maybe they could just put a little bit less down than maybe than they were planning on, assuming they have the cash to begin with. Uh, yeah, I've had those yeah, discussions with people up front. Not everybody can do that. Right, um, right. Not everybody has the option to put less down yeah. either. But I have had uh, a couple of clients uh, this year that I've talked to them about just that. You know, if this happens, then you could probably, probably do this. It's really up to you if you want to do that. Now, really what that means is that they're buying a $400,000 house for 425000 Right, right, right. I don't really know if that's the best situation, but... right. That's interesting you mentioned about the contract. So normal language in a contract is that a buyer would say, like would put link, you know, a, a, an appraisal clause in there, right? Or, I'm sorry, a contingency um, that the property has to appraise, but it, but because it's the seller's market right now, you're saying that some of those contracts are signed without the appraisal contingency, meaning because the seller says, no, we don't want that, take it out. Is that what's happening? And then yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're so the clients agreeing up front that they will yeah, take care of any difference there. It it is interesting. It's not you know, 
it's not really my contract. It's not my negotiation. So I really can't say anything about that, but I'm seeing, yeah. I'm seeing a little of that now on contracts. I had this situation with a client. This is going back six, 12 months, maybe with a client who was on the other side of the country. Um, but she, um, you know, fell in love with this condo and, um, as she, you know, it was a, it was a, a bidding war, right? Not a war, but you know, she, she's, she overbid. Yeah. She, she overbid because she fell in love with it. In this example, it was 10 or 15,000. It wasn't an incredibly significant amount of money, but the property did not appraise. And so we had to have this conversation. Well, how much she did have the appraisal clause in her contract. And we had to have this conversation. Okay. Well, you can come out of pocket. In this case, she didn't have the cash. So we were having, she was over, 59 and a half. So we were having the discussion. Does it, did it make sense to take money out of your retirement account to make up the difference, pay taxes, you know, make up the difference because she already had committed her cash to the down payment. Um, and, and, you know, so we were talking through that and then we, and then we just had this discussion like, well, does it even make sense to buy this property? You're buying a property for Mm -hmm. more money than it's worth, whatever the number was at that time, 5% Mm -hmm. more than what it was worth or something. And, and how do you feel about that? And in this situation, she felt very comfortable. She wanted to live there for a very long time. There wasn't a lot on the market. She just, she she felt like it was all worth it and and all that stuff. But you have to have those conversations like, okay, well, you're, it, it didn't appraise for a reason, right? Because the because this professional thinks that, who, who appraises real estate for a living, thinks yep. that it's not worth what you're offering to pay. And how do you feel about that? And you know, real estate can be emotional, just like investing, and um, and oftentimes emotion. I was just I was just doing a CE webinar on like the different sides of your brain or something like that, and how the emotional uh, side of your brain is so much stronger than the rational side of your brain, or what they were calling it, system A and B, or something like that. And and it was just talking about how just your your emotions and that side of your brain is so much stronger and more prominent than your rational side of your brain yeah. and yeah um and 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 emotions oftentimes went out but but if someone's going to you know be living there for 20 years maybe it doesn't much matter you know you you love it and it's where you want to be for a long time and you know, over that period of time, maybe real estate appreciate, hopefully real estate appreciate, hopefully you, there's that oh, yes. break even at some point. And, and mm-hmm. even if you overbid and your, and your real estate appreciation from here is uh, negative for a few years that at some point, hopefully it flips and goes in your, in the right direction. But anyway, certainly yeah. discussions to be had about that and certainly affects the loan because people will have to be in those situations coming out of pocket whoops, for, for cash that they didn't anticipate coming out of pocket for but yeah and uh, yeah and uh it's certainly some folks that i haven't even now or you know they started at a certain price point because that's where they felt comfortable and you know they've changed that price point now i've got people that change it anywhere from 30 to a hundred thousand dollars you know they started off at 350 now they really can't find anything at 350 so now they're looking for 435 450 uh where they really didn't start when they started the process. But now yeah, that they've looked yeah. around a little bit and seen what's out there and, you know, being outbid on you know, multiple properties at this point, they, they're like, well, now I have to go to 425 because I really can't find anything or can't bid on yeah, anything yeah. unless I bid at 425. So it's it's uh, it's kind of where the market's at 
So everybody's got to be a little flexible. It's not that I can control, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Just advise people and make sure that, you know, if they're still comfortable with the payments that they have and everything else. But they're making some sacrifices to get to get in a property. And, you know, it's still it's still the American dream, you know, to, to go out and have your own property and your own home. And, well, you yeah. Know. One, one thing that I always try to caution people on is that, you know, sometimes people go and they, you know, go to a mortgage professional or whatever and they, and they get you know, they get uh, pre-approved, right? And so they kind of know what they can, what they could potentially um, borrow. But, you know, what I try to remind them or caution them is that just because you're approved for that doesn't mean you can necessarily afford that amount, you know? And so you really need to, you know, look at what you can actually afford as far as, because that's going to be probably, you know, for most people, that's the, their biggest monthly payment, right? Is, is their mortgage. And just because somebody says they can take that much doesn't mean, mean they can necessarily make those payments and, to me, you just got to be careful about that. Yeah, and that's part of the consultant that I do up front. Um, Good, <laughs> especially first 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 time homebuyers, especially. Yeah, right? I do it with everybody, but I give them an idea what the payment is. I mean, I don't have taxes, I don't have the insurance, but I'm like, this is an estimated payment. You know, I just want to make sure we're in the right ballpark for what your plan is and your budget is. I mean, you know, some people want to buy three hundred. Fifty four hundred thousand dollars properties, but they want to have a, a payment for a two hundred thousand dollars property. That's fine and well, but then you got to go to a two hundred thousand dollars property. I just I don't want that surprise to be after they've looked at you know ten different properties at four hundred thousand and come back and say, well, I thought my yeah. payment was going to be fifteen hundred dollars a month, like my rent. And well, that doesn't really help anybody. Yeah. So I try to give people an idea upfront that they're in the right budget for what they're looking for, and, and especially mm -hmm. in, in the folks I just talked about that are moving up the ladder. I go over, well, you know, you can go up another 25000 you, and you qualify, but this is what it's going to do to your payment. Yeah. You know, it's different than what we started with, you know, a couple months ago, and you were comfortable there, but I just want to make sure you're comfortable now because, you know, it's, you know, it does change, you know. But yeah. that's what's happening out there. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty competitive, but it's a, it's a good environment to be in. Um, you know, uh, like I said, people are buying houses not for financial reasons per se, but because they need a home to live in for their families and et cetera. Now, I got people living with family for <laughs> probably too long at this point, uh, but they certainly want to get that adjustment out where they're on their own soon enough. Well, especially with, with people working from home and kids being home from school, and there's certainly some more urgency for those people that are living with family or in temporary situations. There's certainly more urgency now than there was a year or so ago. So that makes sense. And That's you know, there's, that. I'm, I'm assuming there's, you know, because uh, people that have investment properties right now, because they cannot evict their tenants, for, for people that have investment properties that, have tenants that aren't paying and they can't yet evict them in the state of Massachusetts from what I understand. And I don't know when that time will come uh, for them to proceed in that regard, but, I'm a, but I, I, I imagine that will have some effect on supply in the housing market when, you know, for people that have investment properties that maybe are just done with them or, you know, like, you know, having uh, tenants that aren't paying, can't afford them anymore, stuff like that, um, that, that will certainly have effect whenever time comes hopefully affect uh not too much supply but you know just sort of even things out a little bit i had a question for you john on on, on a different topic um yep. if that's okay um yeah, sure. i had a and i'm not 100 percent sure this is in your in your wheelhouse the question is regarding uh home equity loan versus home equity line of credit this is for a oh. situation where um cool. 
where I have a client who needs a relatively small amount of money, let's call it 50, 75,000, something like that to finish up a build. This particular situation is on an in-law above a garage. And they have another property in another state that they could uh, take a home equity line. Their primary residence in another state, they could take a home equity line of credit or home equity loan on. So um, just from your perspective, you know, I had the discussion regarding, of course, home equity line of credit, uh, variable loan, home equity loan, fixed rate loan, fixed term, um, potentially attractive now with interest rates being low, though I'm not sure, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, where they are on, on a relatively small balance home equity loan for a build. Um, um, and we had those discussions about, you know, being variable and stuff like that. and. Um, but just wanted from your perspective for relatively small amounts of money like that, do you have general guidelines for which makes the most sense? You know, in my mind, it comes down to cash flow and ability to pay it back. And if you're taking a line of credit, you should have an ability to pay it back. And in my mind, in this interest rate environment, three to five years. Um, and if there's an inability to do that, maybe take a loan for longer term. But just wanted your thoughts on that, if any. Yeah, well, I don't, I personally, uh, my company doesn't have like home equity loans separate. They okay. do them for purchases, but they don't have them separate. You're talking about okay. doing it as a second mortgage. However, right. I used to work for a bank that did have them. Uh, so it's your point. It's, it's really kind of, if it's a short term uh, type of uh, borrowing situation for the, the borrower, then probably the right now in the environment we're at is probably going for the line which yeah, is yeah. usually interest only um, for however long you have the balance out. And where the interest rates are now, that's probably more attractive. And if you do a loan, yeah. you're locked in. You're locked in the fixed. And that's more or less if you're looking for more of a long term. Uh, and what's what's different about the line, though, it's it's like a, I used to, <laughs> used to relate as like a credit card using your house as the collateral. Yeah. So on a line of credit, you can borrow out twenty thousand, pay back twenty thousand, but you can borrow the twenty thousand back out again. So you can have it as an open line of credit Revol for revolving I think it's loan. Yeah, fifteen okay. years. Okay. Yeah. So if it's something that he might want to dip into later on, then maybe that you know, it's a short term thing where he could pay it back. You know, if he's borrowing ten or fifteen, but well, excuse me, I thought you said seventy thousand. But if it's something he could pay back in five years, that's probably the, 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 the probably the way he might want to go. And that way, he still has that line available to him, open to use it again if it's you know if it's uh, there. Um, yeah. I always have a line of credit available on my home, but I don't really use it unless I really, really, really have to. Um, but yeah. it's always there to have that piece. So you're not really, if you're not using it, you don't have a lien against your property, but you have available credit to you. So yeah. it's always there to kind of. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it seems to be it's it's harder to get. Uh, somebody lend to you when you need it the most. So it's always right. nice to have available to you. I, I like that point, actually. Yeah, get a, get a home equity line of credit when you're employed, when things are good, right? And yeah, just have it there as like a backup to an emergency reserves for many yeah, people. Yeah, it's a backup. I, like I mean, that. I don't yeah, have that for sure. product. Okay. That's just a personal thing for me I, that, to have that. Okay. Anyway. Yep. Um, sort of the last topic I wanted to cover, we have like okay. 10 or so more minutes. Um, I know this show always flies by. I just yeah. wanted to talk about jumbo loans for a moment. That's one okay. thing we didn't touch on yet. Um, 
and I always think the the size the the uh, benchmark or whatever for the size of a jumbo. I always think it's higher than it really is, but it's really not that high, right? I mean, jumbo alone right now is like over what four seventy or something like that. It's really not that high yeah. relative to where real estate prices are in this area of the world. Like it's, I feel like it should be higher, but it's. Well, it kind of is right now. It depends on uh, okay. the lender, uh, what they have available to them, and um, with with where they're lending. Uh, but right now, Massachusetts really they have it where conventional can can go up as high as like six ten, I think. Right. Now. Oh, okay. All right. So your jumbos would be over that. Um, oh, I didn't realize it depends. It, it was lender specific. I thought it was like a federally set rate well it depends on it it can be lender specific but okay. in massachusetts right now depending on what county it's in you yeah. could probably go up to like 610 like fha okay. would be up to 610 and your conventional i think will go up the same i had to double check that number but you're correct though uh, at one point it was 475 but this year they actually increased those values quite a bit oh. this year and they that went actually, up pretty high that actually aligns because I, actually that makes sense that it's state and county specific because real estate is so different you know for example where we live than in like ohio or kirkrock just for example love ohio i got my <laughs> cleveland indians uh on the wall over yeah, here um, yeah. <laughs> but you know just real estate is different in different parts of the country and so that that makes yes. sense that, that that term jumbo is a relative term yeah um, well, yeah it is and to but to your point though uh so i'm what what specifically was the question you have for jumbo i know you mentioned it earlier before we got on on the line but um, how it how it affects interest rates you know what's the what's the difference in the interest rate i'm assuming it's across the board higher than a traditional loan but yeah is, is yeah incorrect no uh that that is correct um it also depends on how much you're borrowing so right now you know they have different levels if you're borrowing from like 600 to a million uh, they'll have a certain interest rate there, but it is usually higher. But the higher you go up, the higher the interest rate's gonna be. So they have levels for a million, million and a half, million and a half to two million, two million, two and a half. So the higher you go up on the loan amount, the, the, the difference is gonna be on the interest rate. But traditionally they're a little bit higher. That's correct. Yeah, is that it like inflation. a tenth of a percent higher or like half a percent or a percent? Is there any sort of standard? Not really any sort of standard, but generally about a half a percent. Oh, okay, all right. And then is it the same as um, we had this discussion about PMI and having to request it removed based on equity in the property? Like, is it a similar discussion where like what happens when like someone takes out a $700,000 jumbo mortgage, right? And then several years down the road, it's now a $500,000 traditional mortgage. Does interest rate change automatically? I'm assuming no. And no. what options does the homeowner have? Is it is their only option a refi? And then again, it depends on where interest rates are compared to when they took out the jumbo loan. But it, can they petition the bank to lower the interest rate now that it's no longer a jumbo? Like, how does that work? Yeah, no, uh, when you're in a rate, they're fixed. So they're fixed. So if you, you know, you're in a fixed 30 year, they're gonna be fixed for 30 years, unless you refinance. Okay. So if you're, in a, if you're in any, any, any type of loan, and you're in a fixed fixed rate loan. Your interest rate stays fixed for the 30 years. They don't really don't have any adjustments for that. Um, no matter what the value is or your loan amount that you owe on it. So it's the same with the jumbo. Uh, okay. However, they can look to refinance into a, a different program if they are conventional. Uh, and on the on the mortgage insurance right now, if you're doing a jumbo loan, you have to do at least 20% down. So right now, I don't see any option 
uh, to do less than that. There was okay. more options before COVID where you could do less than 20% down. So right now, if you're in a jumbo, you have to at least 20% down. Okay. So I can't really get into the mortgage insurance under that. But it would be treated, if there was there, it would be treated the same as it would on a conventional. Okay. You, you, you have to talk to your lender and, and see what the options are to get rid of it once you have that 20, 22%. Okay. John, if you had uh, if, if you if you if um if you put your house into um into an irrevocable trust and ha and have a mortgage, can you refinance that? Uh boy, you gotta throw one at me at the end. Huh? Oh, he's got like four <laughs> minutes to answer that. That's like an entire show probably. Okay. I would um I would have to uh, talk to our our attorneys, in house attorneys to see how we would do I front end the trust on selling so we just review the trust. Um, yeah. it's, I think it's the same on refinances. To answer your question, it's possible. That's a maybe. That's a maybe. We would, just, we would yeah. have to look at the trust and the trustees and all that. But that would be That's a research maybe. type of thing. Okay. For me, it's all. I really don't want to answer it. You know, in general. No worries. But it's possible. Give me a call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't. We have not put our home in an irrevocable trust. No. <laughs> we will not be giving you a call. Yeah. Well, I'm um, at the general public out there. I got it. I know. I know. Um, all right. We just have a few more minutes left. So let's just give um, John another opportunity to give out his contact info. So we've been uh, talking with uh, John Harrington, who is a mortgage professional. A uh, with Embrace Home Loans and uh, first time on the show, but I thought you did awesome. Thank you. Great discussion today on rock bottom interest rates, et cetera. Um, so for people that have follow-up questions for you or interested in potentially refinancing, not make sure, not, uh, or wondering if it makes sense or for people um, looking to purchase and looking to get pre-qualified, et cetera, how can they get in touch with you? Well, again, uh, I'm old fashioned, I guess, but the best way is to give me a call. Uh, my number is 508 Six eight five four eight six four. Again, you can call, text anytime. I understand that you know people work during the day, so I'm available at evenings during the weekends. So don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, and if you want to send me a quick email, get some information that way. It's John H at EmbraceHomeLoans.com. And I want to thank you for inviting me on. I had a very good time. And yes, I was a little scared about the two hours at, at <laughs> five of eight. Uh, but now it's 10 o'clock, so it, is, it was really nice, nice conversation. And, uh, and you are very, uh, very good professionals, and uh, you've got a great reputation out there. So I would encourage anybody to call you up and ask you any questions on the financing end. Oh, thank well. you, John. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. I know it always scares our guests when they're like, wait, it airs for two hours? <laughs> How are we going to talk? What are we going to talk about for two hours? Yeah, um, I thought about so, it at four o'clock this morning. But. Oh, yeah, well, that's usually when I do my prep for the show, too, at about 530 in the morning. Up, so no worries. We're in the same boat there. Next time I know I can text you at 530 a.m. We can talk you about it. Our, talking, our talking points. Um, but no, that was great. I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. Um, I know we've got a few more minutes to kill. Did we miss any, did we miss anything, John? Anything like real big that you need to let people know of? Um, interest rates are still low, but maybe not as low as, as they have heard because of the recent Fannie Freddie slight bump there on refis. Well, anything yeah, they've changed, really yeah. changed a little bit. Um, well, but I'd like to put a plug out for, um, I know we talked about purchases and how competitive it is out there. Um, we have a program here that gives you a little bit of an advantage for that and it's called the approve to move and what it really does is allows me to we talked about pre-approvals yeah when a pre-approval is i'll take a look at their credit and their information etc 
um, collect some documentation and say, okay, you're, uh, you, you look good for this particular program. What this program does is allow me to take that information and sending into underwriting and the underwriting will send a commitment for the financing, okay. which is usually in the contract like a week before the closing. But this actually okay. takes that piece away um, where so you can present your offer and say, OK, instead of having a pre-approval letter, I have a commitment letter oh, cool. from Embrace so Home Loans from John Harrington. So the buyer, you, you want the buyer is more well positioned at, with that letter. I'm assuming in this in this competitive real estate market. I'm assuming that's a great thing. So awesome! We got to yeah. wrap it up, John. We okay, get a boogie. No. Yep. That right, means that's it means we get you. a boogie. So John Harrington, Embrace Home Loans. Check him out thank if you have you. questions on refis or new purchases. Thank you so much for your time today. You. You're listening thank to you McNamara guys. on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.